All right, it is time to be joined by our security expert here as far as internet security goes. Uh, his name is David Chipley. You've heard him on the show before. Uh, DEF CON 2019 is going on in Las Vegas. What exactly is that? So DEF CON is the most famous hacker uh, conference in the world. And so um, it is, and I think heading into now, it's just finished its 27th year. It's heading into its 28th year. And it's where the world's most elite security professionals, hackers, government officials, and everyone gathers for a couple of days and terrifies companies around the world with all the security disclosures of all the broken things that have been broken for a while that are really bad. At the conference, they exposed that Canon may have a problem with one of their digital SLR cameras. It's the EOS 80D, and it's used by professional photographers. It is Wi-Fi connected, and uh, there is a vulnerability, in fact, multiple vulnerabilities, to do with the firmware of that camera, and it can be used in a malware attack. What exactly is firmware, David? Firmware is the uh, is the, the software that runs the core of a camera, and and what's amazing now is our cameras are computers, um, so they have an operating system, and they're very complex. And these high-end cameras are a great target to hack. Now, why would someone want to hack hack a high-end uh, camera? Well, if you wanted to take down a media organization, gain insight into what information they're gathering, etc., this would typically be nation-state level kind of activities. Or if you're a criminal looking to really put the hurt on a modern media organization, that's another great way to do it. Or if it's a high-value target that's like a celebrity, et cetera, and you want to potentially steal intimate images, getting malware and getting a foothold on these cameras just opens up a world of hurt. So where are the vulnerabilities? Well, the vulnerabilities are in the camera software itself. Um, and so the, the only fix for that kind of thing is to actually get it patched and updated. And what's great about these um, conferences and when it's done properly is what happens is security researchers like uh, the folks from Checkpoint in Israel, um, they'll find these things, they'll tear them apart, they'll discover the vulnerabilities, they'll tell the companies the vulnerabilities in advance and give them usually 90, sometimes 120 days to fix them before they share their findings responsibly at conferences like this, which is good to see. Oh, I got so that they can say, all right, here's the information. Instead of saying, here's the information, having someone take advantage of the vulnerabilities they've found, Canon's already had a chance to go back in and patch up that camera so that they're, you know, that they can release it right away. Exactly. And this is, in the business, this is known as ethical disclosure. However, it's not always as straightforward as the, what I've described because sometimes uh, security researchers will give lots of notice um, to companies. Google's Zero Day project often does this. They'll give plenty of notice. And if the company ignores them, drags their feet, doesn't patch it, they still disclose. Um, and so that gets really interesting from um, uh, who's responsible for what standpoint. Um, but it's part of the world we live in now where um, all of these things that we use, everything from our cameras to our smart microwaves to Alexas, etc., they're all computers and they all have a host of vulnerabilities. With this particular Canon camera, one of the problems is the fact that it actually has Wi-Fi connectivity. You know, you want to make these things more and more convenient. And I've had a number of Canon um, digital EOS cameras over the years, Rebels, et cetera, and going and finding the uh, the cables to plug it in or pulling the SD card out is just inconvenient. Plus, you know, with the Wi-Fi connectivity, you could connect it to 
other peripherals and devices. So the intentions here aren't bad, but like all things, if you're going to create a Wi-Fi enabled computer, then you have to be prepared to protect and defend it. Um, and what's interesting about this story is it really highlights a gap in um, approvals. You know, when we buy electronic devices, we usually get that stamp on it. You know, the Canada Safety Council or other groups have reviewed this and it passes some minimal standards so that these things don't burn our houses down. Mm -hmm. But no such standard exists when it comes to protecting your information or privacy. There's no stamp of approval. And I think with these Internet of Things devices, we actually need that as consumers. And, and we need to take some of the burden off of consumers, which is unfair, and they're not doing it, to be honest, to protect their own security and create new standards and regulations to say, okay, this device needs to have a certain amount of security baselines and you need to commit the customers that you'll patch them properly when security vulnerabilities are disclosed and you'll support them for the reasonable lifetime of the um, software issue. Because, you know, while this issue with cameras is interesting, we're having these issues with cars and we're starting to see really interesting questions about how long will car manufacturers send patches for your uh, vehicle. How long is a reasonable lifespan for them to make sure that all of these devices don't have vulnerabilities? In Europe, they're more proactive with privacy concerns. Are they close to issuing a standard there? No, no one's really got a handle on the Internet of Things because the devices, the amount of devices around the world just exploded. There's now 50 Internet connected devices for every human on the planet. Um, and no one's figured out um, how to regulate this. And every time we connect all of these devices together, the environment becomes even more complex. And what's even worse than the privacy side um, is the fact that these devices can even be hijacked sometimes to bring down the Internet itself. And we actually saw massive attacks a couple of years ago with unpatched um, smart devices, home routers, etc., um, that were used to bring down Netflix, Amazon, and others. So the situation's actually getting more unstable and worse. And on top of the privacy legislation gaps in Canada, we are just completely absent at the discussion around Internet of Things. Well, as a security expert, you must be slightly happy because you're going to be uh, employed for many, many years, it sounds. <laughs> Let's just turn our attention for a second to this viral trend that's making some waves on social media. People are actually trying to engage what they call their number neighbors. They're texting phone numbers that are one digit away from theirs, seeing what kind of responses they get. Do you have advice for people that are possibly jumping on the bandwagon looking for their number neighbor? So um, I'm an extremely risk-averse kind of cat, given all the things I know about the world and what I've seen. So obviously, I'm going to come down hard on the side of this is a super, super bad idea. Uh, just so many different things can go wrong on you. What if you're uh, texting a child? What if you're texting someone who's passed away and their family members are trying to deal with all of those grief issues? And what if you're texting a creepy stalker type person who's now um, maybe has a, a degree of understanding of technology and now has your phone number and knows you're out there and can start attacking your phone um, back? So it's a bad idea. Uh, I would never recommend doing it. Um, and I'm not sure why this fad has become so big. It started a decade ago, and it just seems to have really ramped up this summer. I don't know if we're just bored as a society looking for trouble or um, how this is all going down, but it's a it's a hard pass for me. Well, I re really appreciate your time today, David. As always, thanks for joining us today. You're always welcome. It's a hard pass for David. Hard pass on the neighbor's numbers. You know what I just remembered as you guys were talking about the, the number neighbors, there was a a phone number that was one digit off of a cab company in Richmond Hill growing up. And 
occasionally people would call it by accident and he would get really mad. And I knew <laughs> one kid who would call it on purpose. Oh, <laughs> what a little jerk. <laughs> so uh, how many times did you call it? I was going to say that little kid's <laughs> name was Chris Preston. <laughs> and that little boy grew up to be Chris Preston. <laughs>